How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another episode. It's me, Nick, as always, and Ronnie is back from Ireland, Belinda having stood in for him last week. Thanks very much for that, Belinda. It was lacquer having you. Now I've got to sit here with this biased moron's opinions for the whole episode. All right, Paul, give me a chance. You thank Belinda, but I'd like to take this opportunity to not thank her because I listened to the podcast and at no point, at no point did I feel that she reprimanded you with your ridiculous comments. She agreed with you far too often. Too and, wise um, people. I believe she, no, 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 no. She needed to, to help you write because uh, you were making a lot of errors and you were saying the wrong things and she agreed with you. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie, clearly we, we missed you a lot last week. I know I missed you because I had to wait a whole extra week before I get to chirp you about your position in Fantasy League. Having, you know. Okay. Okay. Listen, we're just yeah, picking and choosing the tournament. The one, the one tournament where you're beating me and forgetting about these six others where I'm beating you. The only reason I'm choosing it is because it's the only one that's finished. The other ones can still go either way. You know, I don't actually know what to say, but fine. Let's move on. Yeah, well, that's okay. As everyone saw, you were at the RDS Arena for the Stormers versus Leinster game, but you were in Ireland for a whole week. How was your trip, Ronnie? Expensive. Very, very expensive. I have to say that Guinness in Ireland is, is top quality. It's almost like they manufacture it there. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it is. It's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. I've had Guinness in South Africa and other places and uh, never before in in the home of Guinness. And it was amazing. And I had a a beef and Guinness pie, which was unbelievable, and it was it was fantastic. Yeah, and one of our good friends also lives over there in Ireland, and I know she listens to the pod. So, Burn, if you're listening, thanks for tuning in. You got to visit her a little bit, and for those that don't know, Burn was a massive part in getting the podcast started. Actually, you know, she was here when the yeah, idea was. She almost started. punched me in the face. She <laughs> the topic did come up, and I was like, "No, Burn, you know, you had about a one percent influence," and and. And she always punched me in the face. <laughs> I wish you had. I really do. But yeah, any cool stories from Ireland? What did you get up to while you were there? Or were you just that boring old fart in your room like we know you are? No, there were some things that happened. I suppose you're alluding to my uh, Uber Eats situation. Is that right? <laughs> I am indeed. Cool. I think the listeners deserve <laughs> that story. You want to hear it again? I do. So yeah, obviously there's we stayed a little bit out in the sticks, out in the bush, if you could say. And there's only one pub close by. And at one point, I was just fed up with the menu. I'd work my way through the menu and back again. And I thought, you know what? Just want to get some Uber Eats. Let's just see what's around. And I got this nice local Irish uh, restaurant to make me a meal and send it over to to the hotel. And uh, I put the address in for the hotel. And, you know, everything looks good. And at one point, I get a phone call. And it's from a gentleman who's... Perhaps not, <laughs> his first language is perhaps not English. And he starts, he's like, I'm outside that town. I'm like, I smile, my friend. And uh, it starts to rain, but it's this typical Irish cold weather rain. It's not like South African warm weather, warm water rain. It's starting to wet my socks and, and my feet are starting to sting inside the shoes. And, and I'm like, oh, listen, my friend, I, I don't know. I'm outside the hotel. And where are you? He's like, I'm at the City West Hotel. And I'm like, no, I am at the Address City West Hotel. Now, that's the key here because the hotel was called the Address City West Hotel. No comma, no nothing. The hotel in the hotel's name is the Address. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, the Address. And he's like, yes, the Address. I'm like, no, hang on. Let me finish. Address City West Hotel. He's like, yes, I'm at 
the address at the City West Hotel. I'm like, no, no, stop putting an and between the address and City West Hotel, the address City West Hotel. And that went back and forth. And he eventually got that. I said, listen, man, I'm really sorry that the hotel is such a rubbish name, but that's where I stayed. The address City West Hotel, not the City West Hotel. Yeah, 700 Rand Uber Eats order later when it arrived cold and wet and I wasn't happy, but should have just gone to the pub. 700 bucks. I hope that was a three-course meal there and a Guinness. You know, well, Ireland is so unbelievably expensive. It's just like, you know, I had a small thing and it wasn't even that much, but it's just unbelievable the prices when you, when you travel out of South Africa. Yeah, it's true. And exchange rate doesn't help, but at least you got a week off from load shedding. So that was lucky, hey? Yeah, and then I arrived today. It was my first day back, and we've obviously not had electricity for like eight hours of today, which outside of load shedding. And I've got load shedding coming up in, in an hour and 10 minutes. So, ah, see, We just had to give you catch-up load shedding. It's only fair. <laughs> yeah, the back, backlog of load shedding, you're right. But yeah, Ronnie, so let's take a dive into the URC action. It was quite a busy weekend. Bit of a rough weekend to be a South African fan as well, I would say. We'll start off. Ulster getting a 32-23 victory over the Bulls. The Bulls suffering their third straight defeat in the URC. Struggling there in Pretoria. I mean, Ulster getting their first try in two and a half minutes. And just a question, was this game played in Pretoria? Sorry, I missed a lot of the rugby, so you're going to have to walk me through some of these things. No, the game was played at Kingspan Stadium, at Ulster's home stadium. Right. Well, look, let's, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They were traveling away from home, and it's not easy coming from our... Our summer going into their winter. And I can tell you for one, Ireland has some difficult weather to contend with. So it's a little bit disappointing. I obviously watched a bit of the highlights and some contentious issues coming out of there. Yeah, I think for me, you know, there was a brilliant try when we saw Kane and Moody and Kirtley Orange are combining. They scored a humdinger there. But it was so sad to see Ulster dominating the traditional bull strengths. Mm. Two tries from the driving mall, a third try coming directly through the forwards. And those are things you normally see the Bulls doing well in. You know, we they, they lost their physicality there. And even their line speed and their, their aggressive defense that we've come to know from this Bulls side seems to be missing at the moment. Yeah, look, it's a long season and, and traveling and all of that. There's, there's, there's that point of view. But we noted it with the Sharks a couple of weeks ago where they were being mauled and scrummed. And, you know, the forward dominant game from the opposition dominated ours. And perhaps it's a case of, well, the, the South African teams have been introduced to the URC and the URC are learning to use our strengths against us because we haven't been used to that. Look, that's also definitely possible. You make a good point there. But I think as a South African, that's one of the hardest things to swallow when you see a, a pack going back on the driving mall. Rassi must be screaming at the TV in his boxes. And then we have Munster, who went down at home 26-38 to Glasgow. That was a bit of a surprise for me. I thought Munster were going to take that one. Yeah. Look, yeah. a surprise, of course. But we're happy to see the Scottish teams pull out a strong performance. We've said it. We want them to do well. You know, the traditional strong teams. It's nice to see them get a bit of competition. But Munster haven't been doing too well over the last month or two or three. They've had a couple of dips in performances and pulled it back here and there. And it's obviously upset our position on the log as, as Sharks and Bulls fans because, you know, we weren't able to we weren't able to capitalize on our positions that Glasgow have. For sure. And then we take a hop over the Sharks going down 32-20 to Scarlet. 
The number 32 really played a trend in South African rugby this weekend as well. There was 32 in the Ulster Bulls game, as the Sharks game, and the Lions game. But the Sharks in that one, you know, it was an exciting lineup. We saw all the Springboks return. I mean, Ox, Bongi, Thomas Detoy, Irvin, Sia, Herschel, Napimpi. I mean, it was endless Springboks in that lineup. And not managing to get the result they were after. Just a question you mentioned Herschel. Jaden. 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 You see. Right, so this is this is a typical case of where Belinda, I would have expected Belinda to say, no, Nick, you're talking rubbish because you actually know nothing. Fair enough. I'll give you that one, Ronnie. One point to you. Well done. <laughs> I don't know. That game for me was very, very frustrating to see. You know, you just said we previously spoke about the Sharks struggling in the mall, but this is now where the Sharks were strong. We saw an opening try from Sierkalisi off the back of a driving mall. We saw another one for Bongi and Bonambi off a driving mall. But the Sharks are just a disjointed side at the moment. The The defense is completely haphazard. No one is in line. The timing is shocking. You've got Ox shooting out, I'm shooting out, and no one seems to be gelling at the moment. Well, look, the Springboks have been out of rugby for some time now for a couple of weeks. So, you know, could we, could we attribute it to that, to a bit of rustiness? Is this a case of poor coaching? I don't think it's a case of poor coaching. I think it's perhaps... The wrong coach for the, the right job, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I thought about it, you know, if it was the rustiness of the players. But I think you would expect these guys to pull it through and to get a win against the Scarlets. That being said, the Scarlets are nine wins off their last 11 games. So they do have a bit of momentum yeah. on their side. But I think yeah. it's a coaching and, uh, problem. So you reckon with old John Plumtree, things could change? I definitely think it's a big necessity for... John Plumtree to come in now and to sort this up. I think the for all Powell's credentials, I don't think he has the credentials to earn the buy-in of the squad entirely. So I think that's where the change needs to come. And it's actually silly for me that a union like the Sharks didn't fix the coaching before purchasing all these players. Look, I think and we've spoken about this a number of times. We have all the great names on paper, but as a Sharks team, we just seem very dysfunctional. I think Neil Powell is is a, is a great is is great will be great in the role of director of rugby. And he's obviously there as an, an interim capacity, you know, until we get a new coach. And I just think that to bring old Plumtree back, uh, you know, from the other side of the world back to what I think is his home, just not. I think it's his home. It's going to do the Sharks a world of 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 glory. World yeah. Good. It's definitely necessary because what's going on there at the moment is certainly not working. And I mean, you can compare the Sharks' work, work rate and hunger for victory here to the Scarlets. I mean, the tackle on Abraham's, Takia Abraham's right in the corner at the end of the game showed their fighting spirit and they were just not going to lie down yeah. and give any points away if they could help it. Kerwin Bosch, we need yeah. to have a chat about him, Ronnie. It was, he was called out now. He was called out in our boys group a little bit over the weekend. And then I rewatched the game. And I must agree, he's pathetic on defense. I think pathetic's a bit of a harsh word. But I hear what you're saying. Look, when you, when you, you need a strong 10, really, to sort of command and marshal your troops at the back. I think he's definitely, we've said it before. And I can't exactly remember my words, but I think it's a confidence issue. I think, uh, I think the media is not helping. I think he reads articles about people and not happy with his performance, and he takes a bit of a knock, but his confidence seems to be nowhere because he's he can show, you know, here and there, a bit of brilliance, and it's fantastic, and his step is fantastic, and he has got this quite a big boot for a small small guy. It just seems that he can't string together enough pieces of, of great play. Yeah, he's definitely struggling, and I actually think 
it's time we see Butter Chamberlain back in that 10 jersey. He's been performing very well at 15. And I think, you know, we need we need someone to take that 10 jersey and, and move it forward. But Ronnie, then we go over Connacht getting a 41-26 win over Edinburgh at home. Good win for them. They'll be happy with that as they fight for their place on the log. Then over to Benetton. They went down to the Lions at home, 28 and another 32 points for the Lions. Very, very well done to the Lions. And it's the reverse of the Bulls. They're now on a three-game win streak in the URC. Yeah, great. Honestly, fantastic to see the Lions stepping it up a bit, putting a bit of consistency on paper. And it's 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 just it's great to see. And I'm, I'm very proud of the Lions. I didn't think that they would do it. I thought, you know, Benetton's got this in the bag. But bloody well done to the Lions. I'm so proud of them. But it also goes back to something we spoke about of the Lions not being able to string two full halves together. Because you saw Benetton in this game, two tries opening up the score sheet before the Lions side seemed to have woken up a bit. But then there was an immense increase in their physicality. They really, you know, got in there. Their tries were all from bounces. Every single try the Lions scored, there was at least one bounce in the, in the lead up to it, which I thought was quite impressive. I mean, they scored two tries in two minutes. Yeah. And that's what you need. I know when we play Xbox a lot and you hit back with a try and then shortly after that, you hit back with another one, you do the old air punch, you know, and then that doesn't do it justice. I saw you do a bit of a wiggle there, but that's your style, right? So it's very powerful when you can hit back twice very in quick succession. Yeah. And that's a massive way to change the momentum of a game. So well done, Lions. I've got a little bit more praise for you just now when the when Ronnie does the log. Then Ospreys getting a 37-18 win over Dragons at Swansea Stadium. I thought in that game, you know, Ross Moriarty's yellow card really robbed the Dragons of their momentum and they never managed to get back into the game after that. Yeah, a little bit unfortunate, but, you know, a good showing by Ospreys. You know, bloody well done. They've got a, quite, quite a number of aged players there. Um, good showing for them. You know, this is the, the business end or the latter end of the ERC. You, you, would have hoped if you were an Ospreys fan, they, they did a better showing in the in the first half of the season. Yeah, that's definitely true. Then over to the one versus two clash of the weekend, Leinster versus Stormers ending as a 22-all draw. Interesting for me because everyone touted it as the one versus two clash, but in reality, this was basically like Leinster under 19. It was very much... Well, you say that. We got out of the, the Uber on the way to the game and we're a little bit lost to try and get to the stadium it's not a big stadium so it's not very noticeable from far and i asked one of the gentlemen walking by in a lens the beanie said you know sir can you point us in the right direction he said that way turn left good luck to you gentlemen but i don't think you need it since you're playing our under 15 team and he wasn't the only one to say that a little short while down we met another Leinster fan who also said under 15 team so really something went around the media there that you know they've they they saw it as an under-15 team taking on the Stormers. Yeah, and I think you can actually see it from the attitude of the Leinster side as well. At full time, it's 22-22, and they smack that ball out and celebrate that it's the end of the game. I mean, that's 16 played, 15-1 with one draw. They'll be happy with that. They come out of that game two points, a little bit higher on the lock. Yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of players, a lot of people on social media also said it's a little bit unfair that Last couple of games in the URC Leinster go to travel. They've had more home games, so they've done a little bit better. And, you know, these games that now mean that now that they've secured the top spot, they don't need to worry about their overseas leg. And and my comment to that was, well, they had to win 15 first and, and obviously draw this one to get to, to the top of the log. 
unreachable at the top of the log. So they did exceptionally well this season, but you know, whether it's an A string or a B string Leinster side, we, we know it's going to be difficult. We saw it last year in the URC and, uh, you know, Leinster just seemed to be so strong, so dominant that whatever team they put on there, it's going to be a, a good showing for them. Yeah. And you have to give them even more credit because not only are they dominating in the URC, but they've done exactly the same in the Heineken cup. So they're putting in strong performances and they've definitely earned their, their top spot. There's no doubting that at all. Look, and I know we're hammering on a bit much about this this game but i have to also add something you know a lot of people said that there was a poor kicking performance on both sides aimless kicking down the middle of the field but i have to say the conditions were very very difficult for both the stormers as well as leinster i sat directly behind the posts on the one side and i noted the ball coming down kicked down the middle of the field coming down 10 meters to my right and ultimately it landed 10 meters to my left and it was a hellishly difficult, you know, set of conditions to be playing in. So well done to both Leinster for picking it up in the second half and well done to the Stormers for picking it up in the first half and then scoring the equalizer at the end. Yeah, I mean, you even sent that video through, which we popped up on Punted of the post shaking like that with the wind. So definitely tough conditions. But I thought a bit silly from the Stormers. They took their foot off the pedal. They were leading 17-0 at 39 minutes. You know, Leinster getting a try just before half time. But I've also seen a lot of people calling Marnie Lubbock out. And I'm going to shut them all down very quickly because let's look back to something Rossi said to the Springbok boys. It's not about making what, doing five attempts and making one mistake. It's about that work rate, putting in so many good ones that a couple of bad ones fall away. Marnie Lubbock's work rate on that field is unbelievable. Look at the first try the Stormers scored. Loose ball, pounced on by him, he runs it in, offloads to Hartzenberg. Look how many times the ball's kicked through into a compromising position for the Stormers, and he's the one there to pick it up and clean it up. And yes, he does make some mistakes, but I feel like what he pulls off on that field is far more valuable than what they lose from the mistakes that he makes. Even that chip kick through try for Hartzenberg was another one. Look, I'm a big fan of Old Libok. I think he's won me over in, in, over the last season. After he left the Sharks, I didn't think he was all that when he was with the Sharks and, and with the Bulls. I thought he's really done well with the Stormers. And, and I agree, a lot of people are criticizing him, and I can see the argument, sure. But at least he's trying. He's putting in a lot of effort, a lot more than other flower halves in the country. And I think uh, he's just going to find, he's going to use the rest of this year to find himself and potentially don the bench position for flower, I think, for the Springboks. Yeah, I would absolutely love to see that. And then just a last comment from me watching the game. There was a player that quite excited me from the Leinster side, and that was flanker Scott Penny. I thought he's a Josh van der Fleer 2.0 in the making. He's very, very good, very young player. So he's someone I'd definitely like to keep an eye on uh, next year as well in the URC. Yeah. Then, Ronnie, to wrap up the URC action, Zebra going down at home 30-34 to Cardiff. Cardiff will be happy with that one. And Zebra quite disappointed with a home loss. Look, it's it's a high-scoring game both sides. It's quite typical of the URC of of late. Teams to be seem to be prioritizing attack over defense, and you know to have thirty, you know to put thirty points on the board is, is a good showing. But to then let thirty-four points through is a little bit unfortunate. So hard luck to Zebra. Honestly, I just hope that they can pick themselves up and do do better in future competitions because you know we want to see that. We want to see that from the Italians. Their national teams done. A little bit better over recent months and weeks so we want to see that from the provincial sides as well yeah 100 percent. we'd like to see those 
results across the board. Then, Ronnie, do you have the URC log for us? Just a bit of an update there. Yeah, absolutely. I've got the URC log. And look, we're going to start off at the bottom like I typically do, like to, to do it that way. And I want to make my comment, you know, I've said this many, many times that the Sharks are the world's most average team uh, and shows on the log. We're eighth out of 16. So the exact middle point would be between eighth and ninth. And uh, yeah, look, the Sharks, come on, guys, you guys need to step it up. So Sharks being on 41, the Bulls just above them on 43. Then we've got uh, Connacht, 44 points, Munster, 48 points. And then your top four. This is nice to see a Scottish team there. Glasgow Warriors on 54. So that's quite quite a jump from fifth to fourth. And then uh, top three, Ulster on 59. Stormers on 61. And Leinster, very far out in the lead, 74 points. So I don't think that they can be caught. That's my understanding. Believe the math to be true. So Leinster will be securing top spot as it stands. Yeah, it's crazy how far Leinster is ahead. I mean, if they're more than 10 points clear, then they can't be caught in the competition now, sort of guaranteeing themselves a home final should they make it that far. But then we take a look, Ronnie. I just want to say Sharks have, there's two games left in the competition for every side. The Sharks are left to face Benetton and Munster. The Bulls will be facing Zebra and Leinster. Stormers have Munster and Benetton. And the Lions have Leinster and Zebra. So some tough games to come for some of the sides. I think Sharks probably have the easiest run-in in the last two games, but they certainly need it if they want to retain that playoff berth. And then I did say I would be giving the Lions some credit here. So I took a look at that log, and you know that there's only a, each side has won the same amount of games, Bulls, Lions, Sharks, eight games each, right? And then you take a look at the points difference. The Bulls are on plus 43, the Sharks are on plus 41, and the Lions are on plus 38. That means there's technically one try that separates quality of the Lions from the Bulls. Oh, well, my friend, I think you might need to relook at those the points difference there, but I think it's by and large what I've got on the log here. It's it's not much separating. You're right. So Sharks are very lucky to be in the top half. It's you know we just as Sharks supporters we expect to see them a little bit higher. And the Lions are close, but no cigar. Yeah. So everyone giving the Lions shit, they are pretty equal to the Bulls and the Lions and the, the Sharks. Um, that being said, Ronnie, I just want to take a quick second to talk about the Six Nations. Can you tell us all where you finished in Superbrew? And honestly... No, I can't. I can't tell you. I have to open up Superbrew in order to check that. Well, while we give you a minute, guys, we had 931 players in the pool. Nice big pool. Thanks for everyone for joining us. Yeah, I came 169th, so I didn't manage to crack the top 100. Of course you didn't. Well, it's taken me a while to open this up, but tell me, do you know where I finished on the log? I do. Do you want to tell us? No, I'm waiting to see whether or not you're honest. I think the listeners deserve that too. Well, I'm struggling to find the bloody log here. And knowing you, you're going to say 168, one position above me. I seem to to be experiencing some technical difficulties with opening up, uh, you know... Super brief. You know, it's just... Run of the low light. It doesn't seem to be opening. Yeah, it's a pipcack era. Pipcack era? Who taught you that? (laughs) Well, the IG10T era. Oh, wow. (laughs) Fun. Yeah, I know you got you IT kids in your tricks, eh? All right, so I finished fourth out of 13. Oh, yeah. Not in the boys' pool, in the punted pool. All right, so I finished 137th. Oh, guck, man. Look, I'm going to show you this right now while we're on... While we're being recorded, I would like to show you this. 
137th. I'm going to send it to you on WhatsApp right now. As as all our listeners can see, Ronnie's definitely not telling the truth, but that's okay. Just ending on the Six Nations note, did you see the video, Ronnie? Uh, after two nights on the piss, the Irish boys celebrating their Grand Slam win. Yes. Gary Ringrose didn't want to come out, so he went to hide at his parents' house. And the whole squad turned up there to go and get the bugger. Yeah, I did see that. So that's that's a good bit of banter, a good little bit of uh, teammateship. Yeah, that definitely was. So, Ronnie, let's then take a look at the Heineken Cup. The Heineken Cup is coming up. It's going to be... Uh, look, look, I just want to, I want to pump the brakes there. Can you open your WhatsApp, please? I put my WhatsApp, 173rd. 137, you <laughs> bloody idiot. Sure, Ronnie, let's pretend that that's true. Do you also know that uh, your friend Rogan finished fourth in the... In... Really? That's yeah, impressive. So shout out to old Rogan. Yeah, lack of rogues. You must come around for a bry again. We haven't seen you in a long time. And then, Ronnie, Heineken Cup time. So in the Heineken Cup, it's the last 16 now, as well as in the Challenge Cup. The last 16 is made up of eight previous winners of the Heineken Cup. So some tough competition there. Some really good games coming up. So we've got Tigers facing Edinburgh. I think Tigers should take that one, hey? Yeah, I think so too. That's uh, that's where I'm leaning. Although, you know, with these games, anything could happen. And then we've got Sharks hosting Munster. It's an interesting one because the Sharks will also play Munster in the URC a week later. So a bit of practice. bit of practice, yeah. That's going to be a tough fixture. Hopefully the Sharks can pull that one home, though. They really have focused their intentions on the Heineken Cup. What do you think, Ronnie? Yeah, look, we hope that the Sharks can pull this off. They seem to have done really well in in the Champions Cup, better than their performance in the URC. So we hope that the trend continues because, you know, the Champions Cup is, is going to mean a lot. It's just unfortunate we will probably end up, if, if the Sharks do win, who our matchups will be in the next round. Yeah, so then we also see Stormers hosting Quinns. I think that's my favorite game of the weekend. It's going to be epic to see Damien Willemsa and Marcus Smith and all these boys out on the pitch. It's going to be so like a Joe Marler. Yeah, that's going to be very exciting to see. Then you've got La Rochelle, last year's champions. They're hosting Gloucester. Also going to be a good game. I think La Rochelle should take that one. Yep, for sure. So we, we, we expect La Rochelle, let's just put it clear here. We expect them to take it, but anything can happen in, the, in these knockout stages. Yep, for sure. So we'll have to see what happens there. Leinster, in an all-Irish affair, are hosting Ulster. That's going to be a very tough one. But if the Leinster boys have their Six Nations squad back, I think they're going to yeah. take that one. Fairly straightforward, right? Yeah. Then you've got Exeter Chiefs. They're hosting Montpellier. Corbus Reinach will hope, be hoping to get some intercept tries there and, and get Montpellier away. I'm going to back them for the win. Sure. I agree with you. Yes, yeah, see, look at this. Hey, you should go to Ireland more often. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because I didn't do my prep for this uh, exact agenda point. So I'm going to choice but two. Saracens versus Ospreys. Saracens are now without the services of Owen Farrell. That's going to be a tough fixture, but at home you would back Saracens to take that one, I'm sure. Absolutely. And then the Bulls, they are in France to face Toulouse. That's a very, very tough game. And with the way the Bulls have been playing, I'm going to be backing Toulouse for a win. Although I would love to see a South right. side take it. Right. So obviously we would love to see the Bulls take the win. And, and I agree with you. But like I was alluding to earlier, if the Bulls win and the Sharks win, uh, it'll be a Bulls v Sharks in the quarters. Yep. And that's the only way that we can get a home quarterfinal is if it's both South African teams. Otherwise, we've agreed to play away from home. Right. So, I was thinking of that when we got to this topic, right? Uh, we've, we've 
unfortunately, the rules will say that unless it's two South African teams, we will be playing the the quarterfinal up north. That's correct. So out of those four, Toulon, sorry, Toulouse, Bulls, Sharks, and Munster, they'll make up one quarterfinal. And then should the Stormers win their playoff game against the Harlequins, they are set to face either Exeter Chiefs or Montpellier in the quarterfinal. So those are the setups there. Then just quickly to take a look at the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup, if you prefer, Toulon are playing host to Cheetahs. Cheetahs unfortunately set off from Bloemfontein today without Franz Stein on the plane. He took a knock to the knee and then he aggravated it during kicking practice. And the Lions will be hosting Racing Metro in Ellis Park. Well, Emirates lost beat Racing Metro or have beaten Racing, Racing, Racing Metro, Racing 92 already this season. So, yeah, possibly they can pull off a winning bet. Yeah, we're backing you, Lions. Three on the trot in the URC. You can definitely get a win here with a bit of momentum on your side. And they will then face potential playoff games. If the Cheetahs are to win, they face a potential playoff against either of Stade Francais or Lyon. And the Lions, should they win theirs, their opponents in the quarterfinals will be either of Glasgow Warriors or the Dragons. So familiar opponents for them if they get through to that stage. But Ronnie, all said, cracker weekend of rugby. Some massive fixtures coming there. But my highlight game, yeah. definitely the Quins versus Stormers down in Cape Town. Absolutely. No, look, that's going to be tight, but uh, I think... I'll- more interested in what's going to happen with the Sharks because uh, I want to see a win there. I want to see them do well. So that's going to be my preferred game. Yep, we're going to have to keep an eye on that one. Then just a quick look at some Super Rugby results. The Chiefs, they remain undefeated this season, having quite a good one with a 24-14 win over the Waratahs. Crusaders, they got a win against the Brumbies, which are the top Australian side at the moment. 35-17 victory there. Highlanders, massive 57-24 win over the Drua. And then lastly, and a big one, Ronnie, 59 nil. the Canes beat Moana Pacifica. Look, it's a little bit unfortunate, but well done to the Hurricanes, right? So we want to see the Pacific teams do a little bit better. And they have, they've got a couple of wins under their belt in recent weeks, but look, well done to the Hurricanes. They just took it up to a whole new level. Yep, the Hurricanes did very well. You never like to see a whitewash on the scoreboard, but that's unfortunately the way the game goes sometimes, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a good moment to mention quite a shocking announcement in World Rugby today. Stuart Hogg coming out and saying he's going to retire after the World Cup. Hoggy got his 100th now in the Six Nations, and he's only 30 years old. Well, I know you say that a bit shocking, but to me, I feel like uh, Hoggy's been there for decades now. You know, he's put a good shape because week in, week out, when the the Scottish teams play, we always talk about him. And he's been there for a long time. And he's younger than the both of us, Ronnie. He's younger than you. 22 at heart. That's definitely not true. You're definitely older at heart than you are in age. Uh, but yeah, Hoggy, sad that you're going to be stepping away from the game. I thought we were going to get another Lions tour out of you. But yeah, already a great of the game and only at the age of 30. Well, I'll probably give him a call after this podcast and, and talk a bit of shit with him. You know, something we didn't mention when we spoke about the Bulls game was the Bismarck Duplessis Yada card. That was a... Oh, a bit of a, a rough card. I definitely think he was wrapping his arms. We've seen him be very unlucky in the past with that red card he was given after the hit on Dan Carter. It was a shocking call. But Jake White actually coming out now and saying, you know, there's diving in the game. It's spoiling the game a little bit. Is he correct in that? 
Firstly, I want to say that I just want to confirm something. It was because I said he was wrapping his arm, right? Correct. Well, I looked at that and I interpreted it a little bit differently. I interpreted it as him making contact with with the tackler, right? As you would in a ruck situation, which, which it wasn't yet. You know, nobody had gone to ground yet. And to me, it was, you know, if, if not him, if it wasn't for him not wrapping his arm, allegedly, I thought it was a case of him taking out a player without the ball. That's the way that I saw it. So I think maybe if it was penalized for one side, he was going to be penalized for the other side. A penalty at most, or would you say it should have been the other card? No, look, I think it's a penalty at most. And uh, what Jake White obviously said about you know, players often milking it, we have seen on YouTube where Nigel Owens said, if you want to dive like that, you know, you come back here in two weeks and, and play a football match, soccer for our South African and American friends. but. It has been there, and, and Brian Abana did it. There's a lot of players that are doing it. If you're going to milk it and, and put your, your team in a, in a better position, well, that happens. We often refer to it as gamesmanship, right? But it does take away a little bit from the spirit of the game, which is unfortunate, and, but that's what we're seeing these days. There's a lot on the line, so players are going to do what they do to get their team a step ahead. Yeah, especially if you're seeing cards have such a big impact on the game, you know, and they think they can earn a card by acting or at the very least, get the TMO to take a second look at something. It's going to creep into the game more and more until it reaches a point where you're starting to card players for diving. And that's not something I want to see come into our game. Well, I've seen, I've seen cases of where a player that milks it, it penalized, you know, not carded, but I have seen things overturned for, or I don't know, unsportsmanlike contacts or, or whatever the case is. But it's probably what needs to happen more. They probably need to drive that a bit more and enforce that. But it's it's difficult, though. It is difficult because sometimes you fall. You fall in a certain way. It might look like you're milking it a bit. But, yeah, look, we don't want to see that sort of thing. We don't want to see players milking it, and it's unfortunate. Well, I think they actually just need to employ the Owen Farrell tactic. I don't know if you saw it in the, the last Six Nations game. But Belinda and I did have a little laugh about it on the podcast. So Johnny Sexton took a knock and he's lying down, holding his head, trying to get the ref to look at it. And Owen Farrell walks right up. He's like, ref, he's hurt his head. He needs to go off for a ding-dong test. <laughs> Brilliant. I thought that was excellent from Owen. That was priceless. So, you know, maybe meet it with a, a smarter tactic. Chestnut checkers. Chestnut checkers. And then, Ronnie, in light of what we've seen go on just this weekend alone, I thought we could have a little bit of a chat about the World Cup that's coming up. Everyone's picking their squads and stuff, which I think is a little bit premature. But I just wanted to chat about injuries and depth a little bit. So the Mm -hmm. the point I'm coming at it from is we've seen Cheslin Colby go down injured this weekend. Johnny Sexton's ruled out for the remainder of the domestic season. You've got Owen Farrell out with an ankle injury. These are all big name players for their sides. And then you see, on Mm -hmm. the other hand, Andre Pollard come back from injury and he's absolutely firing. So in a World Cup cycle, injuries are there and injuries are going to happen. But, you know, what do you make of the players that we're seeing go down at the moment? Look, like you say, it's going to happen. It's a contact sport, right? We That's that's why we love rugby so much. It's physical and injuries happen. It's part and parcel of, of what's happening. I think the teams have good conditioning coaches in the background. They're doing what they can to make it work, but it's, it's long seasons. It's a lot of rugby that guys are playing, and uh, it's it's going to be difficult. You're going to see these things sort of happen. Specifically with Colby, I saw that. I was a little bit concerned because obviously I'd love to see him in the World Cup, but I think uh, we've got enough depth for this, particularly at with a wing position. 
or back three position, maybe not so much at fullback. But we've got Kane and Moody. We've got a couple of wingers that are, are performing really well. So specifically with Colby, I think Jock and, and the team at Springboks have done a good job of building some depth in anticipation of these sorts of things happening. And uh, yeah, look, it's my understanding that we're also taking quad sizes of 33 to the World Cup, previously 31. So maybe two extra positions going to gonna go a long way yeah something you've said there's actually quite interesting because i was having a chat with one of our followers on instagram during the weekend and he said you know some of these countries have one player that they really can't afford to lose for example ireland yeah. cannot afford to lose sexton france cannot afford to lose dupont and he said to me but when you look at the springbok squad and you look at the all black squad you sort of realize that there's not really one player they cannot go without and then he was like, yeah, you know, for South Africa, you could maybe say Ibn Etzebeth or Lukanya. But even if we were to lose those players, it's not like the entire squad is dependent on them. Well, you could argue, make the case for Owen Farrell as well. You know, in the games where he wasn't starting or playing, England also seemed to struggle. Like, you know, that, that happened. So, but you're absolutely right. A lot of the teams in the world seem to be hinged around one or two players, like the Scots as well with Hodge and, and, and Russell. And yeah, I agree with you. Springboks seem to have built good depth. It's going to be difficult for the selectors to decide on a 33, I think. And look, there's still talk on the fly off, like who's our number one fly half? Is, is it Pollard? And if Pollard goes down, who's our, who's our backup, right? So that's maybe an area of concern for us. But I think generally speaking, we're in a good, good space. Yeah, and I mean, New Zealand, you could say, okay, New Zealand would really suffer if they were to lose someone like Ardi Sevilla, but they still have so much depth that they could cover it. They mm. could survive something like that. But it would ha be hard to see France going all the way in a World Cup without Juan, for example. Yeah, absolutely. He's just such a such a critical player for them. But look, the Pons also built like a like a brick shit out, so he's tough. He's he's got a thick neck and and, and I think he he'll he'll be fine. But you're right, the, a lot of teams seem to be hinged around one or two specific players. Yeah, and just from a South African perspective, I've actually seen quite a number of our players really starting to come into some form. Andre Pollard is an example of that. He's having a cracker for the Tigers. And then if you look over, Peter Steftatoy, Kwaka Smith, Lurt Diaka, they're all having good, good seasons, picking up good momentum in Japan. Kourbis Reinach, Stella for Montpellier. So hopefully these guys will carry this into the Springbok squad for the Rugby Championship and all the way through to the World Cup. Absolutely. And then, Ronnie, just to end off the episode, we've got our fan topic of the week. This time, Mike Green. Actually, this is a week-old topic. I didn't put it on the pod last week. I thought I'd wait for you. But he asked us, you know, South Africa has an incredible depth of players, but they lack coaches and match officials. Why are they getting this so wrong? It's also something he's 100% right about, match officials. We don't have many in the top tier at the moment. We don't have many in the top tier. We've got the likes of Yaku Paper and, and the sorts. But I want to disagree with Mike Green. Firstly, I wonder if you know Michael Green from school. I wonder if it's the same guy. Maybe, maybe not. But look, I, I want to disagree with Michael here. I don't think it's a case of us having a lack of quality coaches and match officials. I think we, especially with coaches, it's a big export of ours. We've got great South African coaches all around the world, you know, coaching Munster with the Irish, with the French, with the... I mean, the Italians, you know, we've got great coaches, Gary Gold over in the USA, we've got great coaches. And it just seems to be the structure that, that links our coaching to our players where I think we, we need a bit of attention. And then with respect to the match officials, look, we've had some iconic uh, 
referees over the years, Mark Lawrence and, and Jonathan Kaplan. And now we've got old Yaku Paper, which, you know, we, I think, I think Yaku Paper is a great referee, but other people in the world don't think so. I think, uh, you know, other, other, others like, uh, you know, Wayne Barnes, whereas I'm maybe not a big fan of old Wayne Barnes, but I think we've got quality coaches as well as match officials, but, but yeah, maybe, maybe not even sees it that way. Yeah, I think in the coaching aspect, you you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's not such a coaching depth problem, but more of a coaching retention problem. You know, we've got Ackerman overseas, Van Kran, Franco Smith, Gary Gold, all of these guys coaching elsewhere. And I mean, those are coaches you could put at the helm of any one of our domestic franchises and get quite good results under. Yeah, Ronnie, I think that answers Mike's question refereeing match officials we are struggling to put some into the top level and someone i'm missing is rasta rashi venga when have you last seen that guy in charge of a match yeah look so he was left out of the end of 2022 there was an article that he was left out of our official match panels he's still a youngster he obviously was big on the sevens circuit and yeah he has kind of dropped away but look it's also worth noting that we have quite a few women that have stepped up in sort of top tier refereeing panel of ours and I think that's good for the future of the sport I mean it's not just men I noted a couple of times in this podcast I kept saying and the guys are tired and the guys this but the reality is it's not guys it's guys and girls so I think I think we're a little bit ahead in that space and I think in the next couple of years we'll we'll see a strong showing from from our women referees and and you know some of them are, are refereeing in the men's game at the moment and it's good to see and uh, you can say whatever you want, whether you disagree or whatever the reality is. It's the way that we're progressing and the way we're going forward. So good on South Africa and sorry for, for stepping it up in that space. Yeah, shout out there to Amy Barrett-Turon. I think she's leading the charge in that respect. And then we did have Carla on in one of our early episodes. So it's going to be great to see how her career progresses as well. But thanks, everyone. Shot for tuning in this week with me. I know you had to listen to Ronnie now for a good 40 plus minutes. But I did too, so not that sorry. Tune in next week. We'll catch you back here, bring you all the updates on the Heineken Cup. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and give us a follow on your preferred listening platform. Cheers, everyone. You don't have to edit that part out. But what I want is for you to admit right now what happened with, with Superbrew, what really transpired for all 18 of our listeners that made it this far, the diehard fans. I want them to know what really happened in the Superbrew log. So, so can we have it come out of out of your your mouth, please? And this, I'm going to pay whoever edits this video to insert this part because they have to. They have to. Ronnie, I'll never admit it openly in public, but I'll admit it here. You beat me on Superbrew. Beat you on Superbrew. You mean you beat me in the in our close friends group? But I did come 137th, and as as it turns out, it was uh, you earned earned 1.75 bonus points in our friends group that you didn't earn in the rugby concert group. And that's why you beat me in the one and not the other. But the fact remains, you were so cocky in telling everyone you came 169th. And uh, I actually came 137th. So for all the all 18 of our diehard fans that made it this far, and even after the goodbye, uh, you heard it here that Nicholas lost to Ronnie. Yeah, this is definitely not going in the pod. Mm-hmm.